Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Horror Press Podcast, the place you come to hear all about horror current events. I'm James Michael, and I'm here with the duo behind Microfilm, Matthew Mercer and Matt Keppel. Hey guys, how are you? Good, how are you doing? So, I've been listening to your music ever since I first heard from you guys a little while back, and I've been scouring through your catalog ever since. But my starting point has honestly been Jalo Amor Mia, which released back in 2023. When did you guys start working on that album? I think um, it's we had started talking about the concept of that um, maybe mid last year, and it was more just kind of a vague notion I had of, I, you know, I, I tend to just kind of, we both tend to just kind of make things and figure out what we're going to do with it. And we had stuff that was kind of falling out of the bounds of the more kind of synth pop dance music stuff that we had been exploring. And I sort of thought, well, wouldn't it be kind of cool to do a, a sort of fake Jalo soundtrack? And it gives us room to kind of like play around with some instrumental stuff and go out on a limb in a way that maybe would be a little less conventional. Um, and then it kind of took shape from there. Yeah, I think there was also, once we had the idea, I think, I remember I went into like the back catalog files of stuff that you had made that might kind of gel with that idea of that sound. So it was like listening to instrumental tracks that we hadn't used either as microfilm or Matt had used solo. And it was like, well, we could kind of pile these into a certain group and maybe these all kind of fit with the same mode or the same kind of vibe. And they did. So there's lots of mellow tracks, lots of kind of dark, kind of menacing things. And they all kind of fit under the same vibe or umbrella of like doing a giallo kind of soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And a lot, I think there was some, did we, we, I mean, there's a couple of new things, but I think most of it was stuff that we, that kind of, we already had that was easy to kind of compile together from what I remember. We essentially just kind of, like Matt was saying, we kind of found sort of a few different categories of sounds, so stuff that was a little more sound design, some stuff that was more atmospheric, some stuff that um, felt a little more cinematic um, in terms of like synths and strings, and then a couple tracks that veer more, lean a little more into kind of what we typically would do more with Matt's vocals and kind of a more of a song structure. So the first time that I got an email about your album, I felt I was getting a little trolled because I was like, what movie is this for? And I kept Googling and digging around until I realized that that was the whole point. It was supposed to play off the fact that it was for a movie. And it literally, I was like, what movie? I must find it. And even before, uh, while I was doing some research, I kept seeing original motion picture soundtrack. And I was like, do I not know this movie? <laughs> but it turns out uh, it's not attached to a movie. It's just part of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we might have fooled some people. I mean, beyond you. And they were maybe like, maybe dropped the idea of connecting because they thought it was fake. But I mean, oh, at well. first, usually I'll get screeners. So I thought this was like a, a yet to be released movie. Oh, okay. So I, I just, I had no idea. And um, I was scratching my head for a bit. But I mean, I really enjoy the album. Um, of course, one of my favorites is Jalo My Love and Black Leather Gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the titles for most of your music is very playful and really, like, remind you of old stuff, old movies. Um, probably the first one that I noticed that really called my interest was I- Identikit. Um, mm-hmm. Just because not many people actually know about that movie. 
it's kind of like a very underrated uh, older Italian movie that you don't hear about too much. And uh, I was very surprised. Yeah, I think we, I think I'd heard of that movie a while ago, but never seen it because it was really hard to find. And then it came out on, was it Tubi or was it? I think it might have been Shudder. Or Shudder last year, I think, when we saw it for the first time. And it's a really, yeah, it's a really cool movie. Really strange. Really kind of like, especially for a huge like Hollywood star at the time, like Elizabeth Taylor, to do this kind of, it's kind of a giallo movie a little bit, or more just like, not with maybe with a traditional like serial killer vibe, but the same kind of strange, melancholy, dark vibe going through it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Elizabeth Taylor is unhinged in that movie. She was oh, recently yeah. divorced, and um, when a movie came out, she hated it so much, she wanted to buy the rights back just so that she could like bury it. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so uh, weird because it's such a cool movie. I don't know why she. I mean, but back then. I, yeah, it was it was slumming it for her back then. I feel yeah, like. but uh, but I, yeah, you I, could definitely watch it still on Shutter. I think. Yeah, I am a fan of Elizabeth Taylor's kind of batshit crazy seventies period because she did that movie. She did Boom, and there were a couple others that were like definitely kind of left field weird. Yeah, X, Y, and Z with Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do that one with Mia Farrow? That was seemed like a horror movie, Secret mm. Ceremony. Oh, right. Was that? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if she was in that or not. But I think she was in that one. So when you're naming these things, like, do you start with the title or is it just the vibe? How do you get, like, Tilda Swinton or Identikit? Um, yeah, a lot of it's fiction. Like, yeah, a lot of it's, like, this pop culture kind of references of things that we like or things that are intriguing to me. As well as just, I really love song titles that are, like, the weirder the better for me. So whenever I see any artist that has some kind of off-kilter title that's not kind of a standard love songy type title, I really get excited about that because it's just, it's a way to pull someone in that, on things that they probably haven't heard before or, or haven't really thought of before. Like, I think that's a way, for me anyway, a way to pull me in is a cool song title or a cool album title or a cool band name or something has always been something that drew me in. So I always wanted to put that out when we're doing music to make it. You definitely, definitely don't have a shortage of cool song titles. Like I could go down a list of just song titles that grab my attention. Thank you. But Tilda Swinton, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what was going through your mind when you're putting together Tilda Swinton? I think that song came out in like 2012, mm-hmm. yeah, 13 maybe. About 12, 10 years ago. Yeah, it was just. Um, was there a movie in particular that that like drew you to make that song? I've always liked her since she first kind of came out when she wasn't really that big of a star yet. But the that the there's samples of her in that song, but they're they're not from a movie. They're from some random interview she did promoting a film. And so I took it from YouTube or something, chopped it up into like little bits and pieces. So it was just words and not really, I mean, there's a couple of words that are strung together that she actually said, but it's mainly just words cut up from an interview, reassembled. And then the vocal was me trying to imitate her. And it's, it's altered a little bit by 
Matt, you did a little bit of altering on it, but I want it to sound like her so people might think that it was her doing the vocal along with the samples of her, actually of her. So I don't know if that people believe that or not, but if, or if I was well, you know, successful at accomplishing that. But <laughs> While I was jamming to it in the car, there were some parts where I was like, that's her. And then I was like, that doesn't sound like her, but it, it could be her. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like solved it for me that it wasn't all 100% her because some mm-hmm. of them definitely were her spot on, unless your impression is that good. <laughs> no, but it, it is a weird mix where it kind of gets kind of tossed up together. Do you have any influences that, that you're inspired by? Um, I mean, musically, I when I sort of started to form my own taste and sort of figure out what I really like as a like, teenager, young adult, um, I was really interested in experimental music, um, sort of a combination of industrial music at the time, um, sort of abstract noise type stuff. And like there was some more conventional music I listened to as well, like Depeche Mode and synth pop type stuff. Um, and I think from there, I got really interested in kind of like Boards of Canada, down tempo, instrumental music, and minimal techno. Um, and so like those are kind of all the basic building blocks of where um, where I kind of have ended up musically um, without trying to ape any of that directly too much. It's kind of more of a sort of mishmash of different stuff that inspires me. Yeah, I think I'm probably the more pop centric person of the two of us as far as musically. And so I think it's cool when we put our two br- brains or our two um, modes of like music love together and kind of mix those things up. Something that's super, super commercial and poppy and like slick and things that are weird and dark and kind of abstract or experimental and mix those together and you kind of get a nice blend of both things that kind of appear and disappear at certain times. Some things are poppier than others. Some things are darker and more weird than others. And they just kind of like alternate, I think. Something I think is usually can be a really fun experiment. And it's really where some of some of our tracks have evolved out of is maybe taking a sample of something really out of context. So maybe like a bit of guitar from an indie rock song or a little snippet of a pop song and then just manipulating it so far away from its source that it becomes something else. So maybe flipping it backwards and detuning it and stretching its duration out. And so it sort of shifts focus away from where it came from into something totally different. And then building on those with layers um, can usually yield kind of fun, weird results. Sometimes some more successful than others, yeah. but, um, but that's usually a good kind of, um, it's, a, it's a way to kind of give a nod to the things that inspire me or things that I think are interesting without, um, without being so, um, I guess, loyal to it or blatant to it and actually trying to make it something that's very removed from that. Do you have any favorite horror soundtracks? I mean, seeing that your album is Jalo inspired. Is there a special Jalo soundtrack that is like your favorite? Hmm. One thing I really liked 
of the last couple years is that Tom York soundtrack to the Suspiria remake. Um, and Suspiria is like one of the original or successful, I think, Jello movies. And I would even consider the remake, I guess, to be a Jello movie, even though it gets further and further apart from that. But I really like that soundtrack. It's super atmospheric. It's super dark and like dreamy. And some of it's kind of beautiful and some of it's really atonal and scary. And I kind of like that. And it's really long too. I kind of like that he has all different bits in that in that soundtrack. I think in like a, a throwback sense, the, the original Suspiria, I really like the Goblin soundtrack to that. Yeah. Um, I think like sort of what I would maybe consider to be more Jalo adjacent. Um, I um, I really like the uh, score to of all things Halloween three. I think is pretty cool. It's like really it has that sort of early '80s synth kind of vibe to it. That's definitely one that that I come back to. Uh, I'm trying to think if there were any others off the top of my head though. It's not Jalo, but I was thinking of The Visitor. Do you know that movie? The Visitor. I don't think so. It's from the late 70s. Is it old? What's that? Oh, yeah. yeah. The 70s is definitely old then. 79 or 80. Yeah, maybe the beginning of the 80s. It's uh, it's kind of a horror movie, but it's it's kind of a bizarre... I don't even know how to describe it. It's completely bonkers. It's... Um, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I, they, uh, Alamo Drafthouse did a restoration of it and reissue of it maybe like five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, they kind of unearthed it. And I, I'm assuming they may have restored it to its original runtime because I think it was in the U.S. It was released in a really super edited form, and I'm sure audiences were like, "What the hell am I watching?" Yeah, um, it's got this weird smattering of A-list stars in it. It has like John Huston and Shelley Winters, Lance Henriksen, um, Franco Nero, Glenn Ford. Yeah, it's like it's it's they probably all did each of them probably did a scene in like a day, but um. But it is like the ultimate bingo card of crazy psychedelic 70s movie because it's like someone going through a plate glass window, an aquarium <laughs> exploding, an extended scene of a basketball game, like a bird flying at the camera. Like it's all these really weird right. sort it's, of surreal images. It's kind of like a Rosemary's Baby or like Bad Seed kind of movie where there's a little girl who's this evil kind of possessed girl mm-hmm. so it's a little bit exorcist kind of too it's it's bizarre I think it's either on it's I know it's streaming somewhere it's either on shutter or it's on I Apple you know you can buy an Apple site or some or Amazon site too I think mm-hmm. yeah nowadays uh, everything is also on Tubi for like free mm-hmm. yeah it should be on it too. <laughs> um, big Tubi fans I think of, I thought of one other um, soundtrack that I think is kind of great, and the movie's kind of a mixed bag. But there's, I'm, you may have seen Beyond the Black Rainbow that came out maybe about uh, yeah. ten years ago. Oh yeah, that's a great. Um, that's but great. I really, I really feel like that's might be the best sort of homage to that early '80s synth kind of vibe. Um, slightly sci-fi, slightly horror. Um, They're like John Carpenter sounding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyone who mentions Matmos on Twitter has good musical taste. And I read online that you two love 80 synth pop. As someone who also loves synth pop, who would you recommend? I'll let you take that. As in new or old? Whatever you want. Whatever you want. I mean, there's so, I mean, is there, are you talking about someone who's never heard the 
the genre before at all? Well, just if you if you had to recommend it, like just a random group, who who would you name drop? Um, hmm. Well, there's like old there's '80s classics like OMD, Soft Cell, Patch Up Boys, Erasure, Human League, Human League, some of New Order. Um, and then in the '90s, if you want to move into the '90s. The band Air, the French band Air, I guess, would kind of be considered some pop, maybe? Ish. I guess, would Daft Punk be considered that, or is that more... It's more like house, house music to me, but... techno? I think, um... There's Did you a... see they recently released a new album for, um... I think it's for Random Access Memories, just without drum. They redid the same album oh, really? without a drum. Interesting. Yeah, I, haven't, I knew they were doing that, but I haven't listened to it yet. Yet. I don't know when exactly it came out. It's definitely recent because... A couple of months ago, I think. Yeah, because yeah, I checked on Apple Music and I just this random white album was there and I was like, what the hell? And it was... Same album, no drum. I don't know how I feel about that. It doesn't sound the same. It yeah, feels very like, empty. And that, and that album's not their best thing, so I don't know if taking out the drums is going to make it better. It might even make it worse. I mean, it could be interesting, but it's like, does that, does that mean it's good if it doesn't have drums? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt very flat to me. Yeah, I, I only listened to it a little bit, and I don't know. It was Why would they do that? It's so weird. But of course, like they're weird. So Well, not mm-hmm. really weird, but... They want to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's a Canadian artist uh, named Trust, and I, I think he started spelling it T-R slash S-T. Um, he's put out maybe three albums, three or four. Um, and he has a very odd voice. Um, but I like a lot of that stuff. I think it's that feels like the kind of like a newer incarnation of old Human League or Depeche Mode when they first started to get kind of moody. Yeah, he just released an EP recently, mm. just in the last week or two. Um, a label that's kind of a good combination of synth pop and like the vibe of like horror movie soundtracks and that kind of whole world is called Italians Do It Better. Mm, I love which them. Which has the bands like Chromatics. And Glass uh, Candy. Glass Candy, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they've been around for over 10 years and they are still pumping out records all the time by random people and they have like a huge roster of, I think some of them are the same guy under different names. He just has like different projects or he has his hand in different bands that he that he kind of manages or writes for. But um I think they've always but they always have a great visual look. They always have great videos and album covers and photo shoots and stuff. It's very very horror adjacent and kind of slick and seventies, eighties looking, I feel like. Is Clume on there? Or Gloom. Oh Gloom. yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Do you know a band called Gloom or it's an artist? I don't. I don't. The L U M E. Um, she's on the Italians do a better label, and she's she's in the world. She's kind of like a David Lynch character mixed into like a dark synth pop world. Mm, kind that of. Sounds, that sounds awesome. I'll yeah, and she's kind of like a out. baby girl, kind of soft voice, and kind of deadpan. It's, it's kind of cool. 
one of the first albums that I ever downloaded, this is kind of like a weird segue, but when I first got access to like a credit card and iTunes back in the day, the mm-hmm. first weird album that I purchased for myself was Felt Mountain by Goldfrapp. Oh, and yeah. it kind of like opened my eyes to like experimental music. I don't even know if that would be considered experimental, but I mean, for what you normally hear on the radio, like Deer Stop and all those weird ass songs, mm-hmm. it just blew my mind. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of my favorite albums, actually. I, I'm surprised I didn't think of Goldfrapp. Um, yeah, it's so great. I mean, they've done a bunch of great records, but that's their best of their um, non-dance music. They're just kind of atmospheric, soundtracky kind of things. It's, it's so cool. What a great record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what horror movie made you fall in love with horror? Is there a favorite for you? Um, I mean, I, I am a child of the eighties, so, uh, pretty much when I, from, from where my memories start is right beginning of the eighties. And so, uh, our household had cable pretty early on when it was still kind of the wild west of TV programming. And, um, my, uh, my parents didn't monitor what I watched at all. So, and I have an older brother. So, we, so I watched a lot of horror movies as a, as a much younger person than I probably should have. And I think the one that made the most dramatic impression for me uh, was Poltergeist. Um, just because uh, it, it had all that sort of Spielberg-y fantasy imagery, but it, was, but it also has that Toby Hooper fright factor. So it actually was, it terrorized me and I had nightmares about it. And especially that clown scene, um, that oh, yeah, the clown down. fucks you up. <laughs> sort of the like, clown is scary. Um, that in, uh, the original Amityville horror, which has not necessarily aged all that well, but it's, it's such a, has a special place in my heart. Um, just for its weird imagery and kind of over the top score. I'm thinking my earliest, I also had parents who didn't really monitor what I watched and didn't really care, like, what I was seeing. And um, I also had older a brother and sister, so it's kind of like if you're the youngest kid, they're like, oh, you're just going to watch what we're going to watch. And I remember watching The Exorcist and The Omen pretty young. I was probably, at the oldest, I was like 10 years old, and I was probably even younger than that. And I also went to Catholic school since I was in kindergarten onwards. So that stuff felt like real to me, all the you know devil imagery and, and that kind of thing. So when I was watching that, I knew it was a movie, it wasn't real, but it felt like it could potentially be based in reality. And so that, uh, as opposed to someone who was non-religious growing up, so they were just like, oh, this is just a silly horror movie. I had that entire extra element of like, well, you know, this is probably real because the devil's real, so this probably happened. So I had that in the back of my head. Plus, like I think, like Matt said, we had no censorship on the stuff we watched. So, yeah, I was watching movies and like horror movies when I was like eight, eight, nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm, and it's, yeah, so it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it turned out fine. <laughs> so it's like, it's not like it did some damage or something, mm-hmm. but. I think some people don't really get into horror until much later because their parents might be really strict and it's like they have to sneak it or like see it at a friend's house or something. But yeah, I was we were, I think we were both watching pretty early. And I, I can't believe I didn't think of Halloween because the original oh, yeah, Halloween yeah, yeah. is that definitely too. like 
of of all those sort of like of the time slasher flicks it's still my favorite and it's it was definitely the one that kind of made an impression yeah and halloween has that killer soundtrack too yeah Um, yeah that's that was probably my favorite thing about it um sometimes i'll listen to that soundtrack just randomly it's so good (laughs) so ghostbusters frozen empire just released a new trailer and i know that everyone is losing their mind over it everyone is very excited for a new ghostbusters are they have you seen it (laughs) i actually did see the trailer um Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any of the remakes of Ghostbusters. I think there's already been at least two, right? There was like the all-female Ghostbusters crew that was more straightforward kind of comedy. And then there was the one from a couple of years ago that looked more like Stranger Things, kind of serious. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen either. And I haven't seen either of those. And I kind of... You know what? I saw the second Ghostbusters once in my life, I think. I never saw it again. So I, I really the, loved the first one as a kid. I saw it many, many, many times, but I kind of didn't care after the first one for some reason. I'm not the biggest fan of Ghostbusters. Uh, I grew up, I think, in the 90s with the animated cartoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember Slimer for me was, like, a big deal, but I don't think he's really a part of the movies for the most part, as much as he was in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, people love the franchise but they're also horrendously vicious when it comes to like this ip like they will tear apart the movies i'm Mm -hmm. hoping it's a good movie it looks okay but i mean what trailers trailer the whole job of a trailer is to make shit look good so (laughs) who knows who knows i mean the one thing it has going for it has the original or the surviving bill murray's definitely in it Bill Dan Murray and Dan Aykroyd and uh, Ernie Hudson. I think they're... And Annie Potts. Is Annie Potts in the new one, too? And Robert Atherton. Oh, wow, trailer. wow. So it has... <laughs> the, part. Everyone who's still alive is in it. So that's... Mm. I mean, that's a little bit of a bonus. Like, maybe I'll check that out. Because mm-hmm. the other ones had none of the original. I was kind of like, I don't really... I'm not really interested in another group of people. But, um... Is this the first time they bring any of the original I think so, yeah. Okay. Since the second film. It makes me a little more curious, but... I mean, that's the whole goal, right? Tap into our nostalgia. That's what they're probably banking on oh, to yeah. get people into the seats. That's it 40 years since the original this year, which mm. is crazy. 40? Yeah, wow. 1984, yeah. Jason Blum from Blum- Blumhouse is set to establish a horror museum inside of the infamous Stanley Hotel. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about this. At first, I thought it was, like, just a scary museum, but it's actually going to turn out to be a horror movie museum in the Stanley Hotel. Um, The Stanley Hotel, of course, for people who don't know, is the hotel that The Shining is based on. It's supposed to be haunted, very haunted, and um, they still do ghost tours there to this day. Um, I actually wanted to stay there for my birthday earlier this year. You could actually stay in the room that Stephen King stayed at. It's very expensive, and it's like a very long wait list. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Jason Blum, 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they need to put a horror movie museum in this hotel. Right. But whatever. What do you think? <laughs> um, I'm not like a mega fan of Blumhouse stuff. Like occasionally there's something that comes through that I'm like, oh, this one's fun. But whenever I see a trailer, like a horror trailer, and I'm, I somehow miss that it's Blumhouse and I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is probably a Blumhouse movie. And it gets to the end, and it is. And you're like, yeah, I thought so. Mm-hmm. It has that kind of like super glossy, but super like PG-13 kind of vibe to it, where it seems like a kid's movie. And I'm kind of like, eh, not really interested in a kid's movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of any of the Blumhouse ones that stick out, though. There's so many of them at this point. Like, the first Conjuring one was... That was okay. Oh, yeah. It was fine. And, um... Was, uh... Was Megan a Blumhouse movie? Megan was, I think, a Blumhouse movie. Yeah. I did, and that was I did kind of like Megan a lot. Yeah, that was, was Did you like, um, The Black Phone? No, that was one of the things that I was like... I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this looks kind of good... And then it was like, then they showed like kids in the film. I'm like, this seems like a kids movie. I bet this is a Blumhouse movie. And then <laughs> it, it, like, then it they find definitely it. had kids in the movie, but it was pretty, pretty adult, pretty dark. Yeah. It's not, so if you it's haven't not. seen it, definitely check it out. They're going to make a sequel, like uh, well, a prequel. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like a kid's like My Little Pony movie, but it's kind of like, it's, you know, like, when a, they, like a young adult appeal. Yeah, it's got factor. that. If, and it was a PG thirteen PG thirteen movie, so when it is, you kind of are like, at least I'm kind of like, eh, that's going to be a kind of lightweight, kind of dumb dumb kind of movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I still haven't seen Five Nights at Freddy's. I really don't have any interest in seeing I that. I haven't seen it either. That but I mean, it was the biggest. It was the biggest horror movie of the year. Oh really? So I mean, as much as I'm not a fan. Clearly, the audience is there. It's just not me. I'm not part of that audience. Yeah, yeah. maybe Blumhouse is a, appeals to younger. Yeah, like Gateway Horror for younger kids. I mean, I was watching Evil Dead at like age four. Something <laughs> like Five Nights at Freddy's would probably not appeal to little me. But I mean, kids these days they are obsessed with it. So. So today they released the final trailer ahead of the February 25th release date of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live. I'm not the biggest Walking Dead person, but I know that there's a lot of people that are really looking forward to see Rick and Michonne reunite um, in this show. Um, Have you had a chance to watch the trailers? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched it. Are you one of the people that are into Rick and Michonne? Uh, I don't know. I never really bought their kind of romance. They kind of just seem like, they never seem like romantically into each other and all of a sudden it happens. I think it might have even happened where it was like a, 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 a season where they jumped time periods mm-hmm. a year or so and it was like, oh, they're a couple now and they had a kid, right? Did they make that up? Did they have a kid? I don't think mm, they did. No, they? I don't think oh, so. Oh, maybe I made that up. But... There were a couple, I'm kind of like, oh, okay. But I was, the thing about that story and having this new series, they were gone from the main series for the last at least year, if not two years, right? 
something like that, yeah. So it's they've like, been of, they've been out of the series for at least one to two seasons, so I kind of forgot about them, mm-hmm. and as I'm sure other people did. So having them come back, like, oh, they're in the, ser- they're in the new version of the show, it's kind of like, well, you dumped them two years ago, so I'm not really that interested in, like, seeing them. Because I think I set my, myself soured on the show, because I thought the last season was so bad that bringing it back... I know it's supposed to be a new series, kind of, but bringing back the whole, that relationship, I'm like, I kind of don't care at this point because they wrapped up the series. So there's there's the the Rick and Michonne one. There's the um, Norman Reedus one. And then there's the, uh, there's one with Negan and Maggie as well. Oh, okay. They're all spinoff series. And I'm kind of like, is someone really gunning for this show to continue? Because... It feels I mean, really played out at this point. You know it feels I mean? like they're the only thing keeping AMC alive. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. But I, mean, I could have sworn Rick was supposed to get a movie. AMC was yeah, like talking. Yeah, I think, was they get a movie, I think they downgraded. I think they And then something happened, and now I guess they're going to wrap up his storyline with the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did what saying, happened to him? Because I remember, like, did a helicopter grab him? He was injured. I think he was, like, stabbed or something. And then he was, like, left to die. But then this helicopter, like you said, comes in and kind of grabs him. Someone, I forgot what character even is on the helicopter, but they grab him, pull him into the copter and fly away. Clearly he's brought to some kind of safe haven where they have supplies and they have a helicopter. So they have some kind of civilization. And then you never hear from him again. So you're... You kind of assume that he survived, I guess. It's a very weird plot choice if you think about it. In, like, the zombie apocalypse, you're flying a helicopter and you see someone close to death. And you just yeah. stop and pick them up. Like, it doesn't make sense for... Unless the character the, the character was someone that knew him, and maybe mm. that was it. They're like, oh, it's Rick. We gotta go get him. And Who, mm. at this point, that was so... He's been gone from the show even longer than Michonne. He's probably been gone for like four seasons, so it's kind of like, I don't even remember what was going on at that point. The one character in that show to have plot armor, I guess, because everyone else is just cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he <laughs> was the lead kind of from the beginning. So, I mean, I think that's a case of... Uh, I can think of multiple times that shows come back around and I'm like, eh, I think I'm done with it. And then we just get kind of bored and I'm like, oh, I'm curious how how it is and i get sucked into another season and then it ends and i'm like i wasn't very satisfying <laughs> and then it repeats we can, and then the I whole want wraps, and i was like oh that wasn't great <laughs> i want to get into it but i feel like it's so like there's so many episodes and then anything you like they take away on a, I, it had its ooh. moments like during the middle part of the series that it had really good episodes and a couple really great seasons and then it just kind of like, it just kind of lost its way and got a little bit rote. And the last season was just, it was probably the worst season of the whole of the whole run. And that's like, what, 10, at least 10 seasons, if not more. It was, yeah. was just like, oh, it was just kind of like, end it. Actually, at that point, we kind of had already moved on to Fear of the Walking Dead, which I ended up being a little bit better of a series by the, by the second half of The Walking Dead, the Fear series was i think even better at some points Do you yeah agree? i think i think the fear the one thing i liked about fear of the walking dead and i was a little reluctant to even watch that one because it seemed like it was just going to be more of the same like yeah. 
growling zombies and people moving from place to place and that's kind of it but um but they did uh they did sort of hark back to the early walking dead seasons where there was a lot of character development Mm -hmm. and it was a little more intimate um and less like totally site specific where they're where they're starting a commune or whatever it was a lot more scattered and i i thought that was kind of that's the sort of vibe of that show that i like a little bit more the kind of like survival instinct part of it but yeah it's gotten more similar to The Walking Dead as it's gone on. Yeah, still not very satisfying. From are those late. seasons like super long too, or are they shorter? They're because I bet you The Walking Dead would be way better if they cut down the episodes to like ten per season. Yeah, it was maybe a little bit shorter than the original series, but probably like sixteen episodes or something. So maybe it is shorter. It felt shorter than the original series. And I think it just ended, like, last month or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's one season of that. There's one season left that we haven't seen yet. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But... Yeah, I'll watch it. Complete us. Decent point. Gotta see it. Gotta go through all ten seasons of it. Um, do we want to talk about Mondo? I don't know what do, that is. Do you know what Mondo is? No. I saw that, and I, I saw you're your writing that on uh, what we're going to talk about, and I, I have no idea what that is. Mondo was basically a poster company. They would make, like, really nice-looking movie posters. And then Funko, that, like, toy company, bought oh, them. Yeah. And Perfect. they kind of, like, merged. And then, basically, they just murdered Mondo, killed him off laid off all of like the artists um but mondo made a lot of like infamous horror posters that the horror community really liked but um elijah wood's specter vision came in and um bought them so they they effectively saved mondo and um they're planning on on bringing them back but i mean what there isn't too much to be said about it other than good (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Elijah Wood, who obviously is a big horror buff, horror fan, he seems to kind of come in and, well, that in that instance, rescue something, but kind of come in and, like, do things with a lot of uh, reverence for horror. He doesn't seem like a hack. Like, even when he did the Maniac remake, I was like, oh, they're, they're remaking Maniac? That might be really terrible. And I thought he did a really good job with it. I don't know if he was a director or just a star, but... I that, thought that was good. That's yeah, I thought I thought Maniac was was really fun. Um, yeah, I know I, a lot of people dislike it, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. He also did one. Um, what was the the one about his father where he went to, Come visit to Daddy? Or, yeah, I thought that was really good. So I kind yeah. of like when Elijah Wood gets involved with horror stuff because I think he knows what he's doing and knows what he's talking about, and clearly a fan of stuff. I mean, and I'm really looking forward towards. Um, Toxic Avenger, the remake that's coming. That was that was a movie that kind of passed me by, even as a kid. I kind of like it seemed too dumb or something for me. I was just <laughs> like, I don't. Know. I was just like not into it. But did, were you a fan of it? Uh, not really. Like all the trauma stuff. I think because I was I my entry point was things like Halloween and uh, Poltergeist and Evil Dead and stuff. That it always seemed too jokey to me. Not yeah. that Evil Dead doesn't end up being pretty jokey at times but it just was so absurd and so low budget and i feel like there's a very particular audience that loves that and i'm just not 
necessarily part of it. Yeah, me neither. I'm assuming the remake's a lot more slick, probably. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's got it feels totally tonally different. Like Okay. I'd be curious then. Yeah. Have you seen the Evil Dead musical up in Portland? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Well if it swings by, definitely check it out. If you're a fan of Evil Dead and and Evil Dead the musical is playing by you, definitely mm-hmm. definitely do. And get front row. Okay. <laughs> is there Just a don't wear don't wear something that you'd be worried about getting ruined because you get covered in blood. Okay. Are you uh, are you more of a fan of Evil Dead or Evil Dead Two? I have to say I'm pr- I probably favor Evil Dead Two more. Yeah, yeah. I, I think probably the same. Although the the right answer is probably just yes. <laughs> they're <laughs> both very they're both great. But if you had a gun to my head, Evil Dead Two. What about for the new Evil Deads? the 2013 and the 2023 evil dead i kind of like the i kind of like the first remake from like 10 years ago because mm-hmm. it was kind of like the first one it wasn't really that funny like the second one it was a lot, probably more dark and kind of like horror-y. it was kind of i thought it was kind of like dead serious yeah i don't remember i think there was a little bit jokey because one of the characters is like a stonery guy but it was like it got pretty horror pretty quickly and then we saw the remake that came out. Was that this year? No, sorry, last year. Yeah, Evil Dead Rise. I didn't really like mm. that. I thought it was kind of dumb. I don't know. What did you think? Oh my god, I love Evil Dead Rise. So good. Oh, I'll have to give it another chance because it, it <laughs> went in one year out the other for me. It wasn't so dumb. That's the wrong. That's the wrong term. It was just kind of. I don't know. It was um, my only complaint for Evil Dead Rise is you are in an apartment building. How is there only, like, five people in the whole fucking building? Even though I know, like, some of them were evacuated, like, they were evicting them, but why are the only living people on the same floor? There should have been, like, chaos with the deadites. But we only got, like, five people. Yeah, well, I was trying to think of what, why we were kind of, like, eh when we were watching it. I can't. Maybe I will have to go back and check it out again because I remember we we're just kind of like n- not impressed. I think it was it felt kind of Blumhousey to me. I hate to go back to really? it again. Really? Oh my god! It was, a little, it was a little bit darker than that, but I think because there were so many kids in the movie, I was like, it had that kid element that keeps like making me think it's like a a PG thirteeny kind of lightweight thing. But I don't know. Well, my out of those two, my favorite is definitely Evil Dead 2013. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I really do like Evil Dead Rise. But 2013 Evil Dead is just so good. So good. Mm-hmm. You just told me she's the filmmaker's making something new. Oh, yeah, he's making the new Alien movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Which and I'm... it's supposed to be coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, really, I'm actually looking forward to that. And I didn't really like the last Alien movie. I liked Prometheus, and a lot of people did not like that, and I actually really liked that movie. Um, but the one after Prometheus, what was it called? Covenant. Oh, uh, Covenant. Yeah, I did not like that. I am a Prometheus fan as well. Um, I like the new ones. I'm not a big Alien fan, though. So um, mm. the only... My favorite Alien is the one with Winona Ryder, and I know that one is, like, universally hated. <laughs> but... The, that one and aliens plural are like the only ones that I like. Mm. And then I like Prometheus. 
Interesting. That's kind of a that's kind of a rare statement to say you like the fourth one because I know I, I just have to own it. Like at this point, that's my, that's my I have to just own it, mark. and yeah. I think it's because Winona Ryder probably. <laughs> no, I like her. I don't think she can save it, but um, <laughs> maybe if you saw it at the right time at the right age, it, it kind of. Had well, that was the thing. Like I, rem- I was like young. It was on TNT. It was summer, and it was just like perfect storm. And I just like bond trauma bonded with that movie. Mm. <laughs> uh, but, but I am looking forward to the new one. I, yeah, especially if he's doing it, I think he's curious at least. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool. He guy. hasn't really had a bad movie yet, so you do don't breathe as well. Yeah, um, I liked that quite a bit. I did not see the second one, but I liked the. First I don't know one. if he did the second one. I think that might be someone else who did that one. Okay, but he did don't breathe. And what was the one the um evil dead and did he do another one but yeah it's, it's like i guess there's been a i guess it's been a while since the covenant one maybe like oh yeah six years or eight At years least, or something yeah. okay. it's probably longer than you think because prometheus was what like 2012 that was probably 10 years ago yeah, yeah. What's next for microfilm? We're currently writing and recording new stuff, and we're pretty far into it, I'd say. Would mm-hmm. you agree? For doing a new record um, that will probably come out this year, sometime later in the year. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say probably like early fall, we'll probably have something ready. Um, and then. Uh, I work on solo music as well, and I'll probably be releasing at least one album this year. Um, I'm not quite sure on the plan of that yet. I kind of have a tendency to just, whether it's microfilm or my own stuff, just kind of, the the thing that brings me the most joy is just making stuff. So if it finds a home, that's great. Um, And if it doesn't, then I just continue to kind of explore and see what sounds good and what kind of resonates. So, before we say our goodbyes, is there a piece of media, a movie, a book, an album that you'd like to share with the audience, our listeners? Well, something we just saw very recently, as in like on Sunday, which is two days ago, um, <laughs> we saw Poor Things, which I know that's been out for about a month or so, but it just took us forever to get to it. And I was a li- I was interested, but I didn't. I saw the trailer, and the trailer was a little bit like, uh, I don't know. And then we saw the film, and I I really really liked it a lot. I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. I was kind of blown away by it by the end of it. That's the Emma Stone movie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really cool. And we've been following that director for a while, since he did a movie called Dog Tooth, which I think was might have been one of his last Greek language films. And that's that's probably fifteen years old or something by now, mm-hmm. and that's really great. A really weird, kind of screwed up movie, and then he eventually got to English language films, and I always thought he was really interesting and weird. And so he's someone that you, you, it seems like you always want to see what he's doing because it's going to be something totally different than the one before, mm-hmm. and the one before that, and the one before that. So. And he did it again. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for being another 
uh, film of his that has Emma Stone in the lead, like the favorite was his previous one. Um, they're pretty night and day from each other. Like the vibe is very different. The premise is very, very different. Yeah, and the, and the favorite was different from the one before that, which mm-hmm. is Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is kind of almost like a horror, like psychological horror movie. Mm-hmm. And then The Lobster, which is totally different from that. So, yeah, he's kind of an interesting. He's a pretty one. cool director. Um, something that I would recommend. Uh, for any any readers um, listening to your podcast, is uh, the latest novel by I think she's from Argentina, an author named Mariana Enriquez, um, called Our Share of Nights. Uh, it's it's pretty long. I had read some of her writing before. Uh, the only translated into English stuff that I had read or was available for a while was just short stories of hers, and they're really her short stories are fantastic. She has a couple collections of them. And they're really, really dark and um, kind of weird premises and like kind of violent at times or just very um, kind of off seeming. And um, but her her new novel is much like not only is it a novel, but it's also quite long and it um, it covers a lot of ground. It has a bit of a sort of occult fantasy sort of side to the story. Um, it's just I just found that it just continually kept kept me going and took some weird turns and really good character development um so yeah i would i would highly recommend it what was that called again our share of nights our share of nights cool what would you like to plug anything you like um well we can plug our <laughs> our uh our site where all of our music is capped in case Listeners want to check it out and listen, uh, purchase, share the site link if you want to. It's microfilm.bandcamp.com. And that's where everything is held, all of our albums, singles, EPs, all of it. I mean, you can you can hear us everywhere. We're streaming everywhere. So, you know, all the places people listen to music we are, but we're at. But this one is is where it's, we you know make the most money from sales and have the most kind of stats that we can check about kind of visits and plays and stuff like that so that's kind of that's kind of our basically our our website mm-hmm. as it were and all the internet I mean we're on social media as well but um the bandcamp site is where you can actually get the music um and we're on you know Instagram X TikTok all of those and those links are always at microfilm music if you're doing a search for it. And then um, I also have my solo music on Bandcamp. It's just matthewmercer.bandcamp.com. Um, and I also have um, done some videos to accompany some of the instrumental music I make. And that's at my own music website, which is mattmercer.com. Um, gets a little confusing because it's Matthew or Matt, depending where you're going. but. Um, but Bandcamp is kind of, I think, just generally our home base for all of our yeah. stuff. Um, I did have an uh, an ambient album released by Dragon's Eye Recordings that came out last summer. Um, it's two really long form pieces. Uh, that's a label based out of LA and um, has a pretty heavy focus on ambient music and sort of textural drone type of stuff. Um, so this this album kind of fits into that that category I'd say um, so I may be, may be following that up with something with um, with those guys sometime soon Not, don't have we anything. have some really cool merch uh, 
I like the leather glove tote. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot so of often. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a lot of merch on the Redbubble site. I don't know if people know what Redbubble is, but they're just a site where people create merch of whatever their design is or photography or drawing or whatever. And yeah, we have t-shirts and um hoodies, totes, mugs, anything you can think of that you can put an image on is is on the merch there and you can just or if you just go to Redbubble and do they have a search field, just search microfilm and will be the thing that comes up and they're always they're always having sales, always having their, you know, price cuts and stuff, so you should check them out if you want mm-hmm. some cool merch. Definitely. I I've been eyeing that one and now that New Jersey has did, done away with their bags, mm-hmm. I need to stock up on totes. Because <laughs> there's nothing worse than going to the grocery store and not having a bag. <laughs> so anyway, that wraps up episode 21 of the Hard Press Podcast. A very big special thanks to Microfilm for coming to the show. Be sure to give them a follow. If you'd like a shout out or to help us continue making Hard Press and our podcast, then please consider supporting us. We have all sorts of membership tiers, and it starts at just one dollar. Oh, and be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We look forward to seeing you soon for the next episode of the Horror Press Podcast.